At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. Nice Job can help you get the reputation you deserve. Nice Job's automated reputation marketing tools are easy to use and super effective. Collect two to three times more customer reviews and have the ability to share that social proof where it matters most. New signups can get $50 off when they mention the HVAC Know It All podcast. If you're looking to grow your small business, visit NiceJob at NiceJob.com. This podcast is sponsored by The Master Group, and when I get back to work this week, I have some more stuff in my van on loan from Master Group so we can talk about them, what they're for, where you might use them type thing in video form like Facebook, Instagram. So watch for those coming soon. Check out master.ca in the meantime. Hope you guys had an awesome Christmas. We got to get back into the swing. I've been sitting on my butt for too long. Wasn't feeling well for a while there, but I'm starting to feel better now. And we're going to get back into these interviews. We got Bob Toner on the podcast. We're going to talk about remote diagnostics remote analytics and even remote testing of HVAC equipment and this is going to be a good a good podcast because Bob's been in the electronics industry for a while and he knows his stuff so he's knowledgeable he's got a lot to share so his product AVX is going to change the game I think on the way we we do this remote diagnostic and testing so listen up guys and just so you're aware this is a an invite only program so if you're interested in what you hear, you can reach out to me for an invite because I've been allocated a job to help expand and grow this through this invite process because we want to keep homeowners out, right? So you can reach out to me on, on Facebook, Instagram, Gary at HVACKNOWITALL.COM, so on and so forth. But let's get into this right now. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast, recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Hey, Bob. How's it going? Outstanding. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Well, I mean... You and I are both having a a festive uh, a festive cocktail while we speak, so it's very loose and and uh, <laughs> very loose yeah. up in here. Yeah. So you and I have talked, I would say, a lot lately, but off and on over the last couple of years. And I met you as the evil genius. I actually, <laughs> I actually, for, I just remembered that right now. Okay. And, and and you come up as the, the 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 picture of the James Bond villain on your avatar. Yeah, I changed that. Is there any well? Is there any sort of um, merit to that? Are you an evil genius, or is that? <laughs> well, I, I've been called worse by better men than you. No, uh, I um well many years ago I was uh, very active in sports, and one of the sports that I was very active in was uh, cycling. And I was uh, with a you know bunch of training with a bunch of guys. This is. I guess it finished up. I gave it up about 12 years ago. 
But I spent a lot of time, in addition to all my background in electronics, et cetera, I would invent things for my bicycle to uh, either to measure the wattage I was pumping out, you know, through pedaling or, or for being able to me to drink water, et cetera, all these little goofy little things. And all the boys on the cycling team started calling me the evil genius, you know, and I would talk about, you know, mass and velocity and sciencey stuff. And anyways, that just became a nickname. So, and I don't like giving Mark Zuckerberg who I really am sometimes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, not, not many people do. Well, I mean, I, I guess they changed the name of their, their company now, which is meta, but anyway, that being said, um, this brings us, it could be a segue in, into this. And this, this is going back about a year and, and you're saying you're tinkering with stuff and, I guess you've got a lot of experience in, in different realms of the of the HVAC universe, and you're saying this is a past life, but it was I thought it was a piece of important or a piece of information that's important is to the way a contactor works. And I was having a discussion, I think it might have been Facebook, and you chimed in with a an explanation of contact bounce and how contact bounce. You can't see it physically; it just looks like it pulls in and stays there. But you were explaining under a high-speed camera, you can see it, heat, arc, and all that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just want to set the stage with some sort of education for the audience, and then we'll get into the conversation. Sure. Would you like me to expand on that? (laughs) Yeah. No, for for sure. That's that's your cue to tell tell us exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, um, back in the 80s, I worked for a German electronics firm. Uh, They were a leading firm, and uh, we manufactured and high-profile circuit breakers for aerospace and telecommunications, et cetera, and also did contactors. And we had high-speed camera equipment. And one of the things I observed as a young man, uh, engineering and sales, was um, what happens when contacts open and when contacts close. And it's quite uh, quite shocking to see with a high-speed camera what happens in thousands of a second and millionths of a second when contacts start to open. Or, well, let's, let's first say when contacts close, the contacts start to come down and there's a spring action that, you know, these contacts are made out of beryllium copper, which is springy and, uh, and silver and cadmium and all these metals. And they literally bounce. So they make contact. Electricity starts to flow. And then the spring action causes those contacts to open a bit. And when they open, they create that blue spark that we've all seen, you know, and that blue spark, when the, when the contacts are only uh, a few thousands of an inch apart, that blue spark actually is a- approaching the temperature of the surface of the sun, believe it or not. It's where we get, arc, it's where we get arc welding from. Okay. And it's hot enough to melt steel. That's what arc welding is, it's creating an arc and it's hot enough to melt the metal. And so over the course of time, you will get uh, uh, pock marks and welds and, and degrading of the metal. And eventually, once you start to see that carbon start to form on the contacts, shortly thereafter, those contacts will literally weld like an arc welder. And that's what exactly is going on there. So this bouncing can happen 10, 15 times in a few milliseconds. It's shocking. So you have to design for that. You have to plan for it. You have to be. You have to have engineers that understand metallurgy, and you have to understand electronics uh, to be able to handle all that stuff. But that's the type of stuff you see on a rooftop air conditioning unit: is welded contacts. Mm-hmm. You want to hear a funny story about welded contacts? So yeah. this was a brand new customer that we just got. My first time on the roof, first time meeting the facilities guy, and this was probably closer to the middle of the afternoon we went through all the units this one was almost near the end on our maintenance mm. and this is our first go around so we're, we're making lists of things and we're new we're trying to make a good impression this is a lennox l-series unit 
we shut the unit down, change the filters, check the belt, do all this and that. We turn it back on, the blower contactor pulls in and it must have pulled in in an odd sort of fashion. Maybe one of the springs was weak and only two of the contacts pulled in single mm-hmm. phase. The, the contacts welded together and the blower motor went up in smoke and, and created a, a little small fire. This is the first time at this building. So we got to go down and tell the guy, uh, yeah, your blower motor just went on fire, but it's not and our it's fault. Not we, my swear, fault. <laughs> we, we swear, we swear. And you yeah. know what? He was so good about it. I, I don't know if it's the way I explained it to him or if he's just a nice guy. He's like, you know what? He's like, we got to, if we're going to work together, we got to trust each other. He's like, change the motor and let's move on to the next one. And I'm like, wow, like that's every, everybody needs customers like that. Yes. And you need, they, and every customer needs honest tradesmen. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. we yeah. were being honest. We, it yeah. wasn't our fault. We swear. <laughs> we no, just, I know, turned, but that, we just but that's, what, the that's what makes for a good solid economy. When you have, you know, a good fair trade between the customer and the provider of the service or the product, it's, that's what makes the economy go around. I I agree with that. And not a lot of people think of it that way, or especially on the customer side anyway. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately and I wanted to make a, I, I think I've made some posts lately talking about this to get people having conversations which I like to do. And, and I like to talk about things that might be controversial because it's, it's worth having a conversation over. And one of the things I th- thought of today is, and there's probably companies that already do this, but one of the things I thought of today is if you go, let's say you're a residential company and you give a quote for a new AC and furnace, let's just say, and you, you charge seven grand. Okay. It's going to be seven grand for this whole install. We're going to change some duct work. We're going to do this, that, some extras to make you happy. And they're like, no, we want you to do it for six grand. Well, now they're haggling down the price. Now, if you've given them a fair price for you to come down in price, now you kind of, you don't have to, you got to work faster. You got to find a way to do it cheaper, right? So why don't you, to get, to, to put the onus back on the customer, one of the things I thought of today was, well, you know what? That's fine. I'll drop my price, but I am not going to guarantee you labor warranty for anything that goes wrong. If you pay the, the the proper price of this, I will guarantee my labor for a year or two, whatever, whatever you're, you want to bring up. But if they haggle down the price, void the labor warranty. Obviously, they're going to get warranty on parts from the manufacturer, but void your labor warranty because, and write that right on the work order. Customer does not want labor warranty. They don't have to put hack because they haggled down the price. But I think that would get a lot of customers to rethink um, haggling, to be honest with you. Well, I, I don't disagree with you. Uh... Gary, but this is not just a problem of the HVAC industry. I've got buddies who are carpenters who do custom kitchens. I know guys who are plumbers, and it's always the same thing. And I believe that the root of the problem is, and it's, it's by nobody's fault, is just that in the trades, when you show up once every few years to do a job, you don't have an ongoing relationship with the customer where there's already a trust established. And that's one of the things that is makes it difficult. When you show up once every 15 years to do a custom kitchen or once every 15 years to do a new uh, furnace or boiler installation, how do you create trust with that customer where they just go, we understand, Gary, we trust you. We know what you're doing. We know that you know what you're doing and let's go with it. You know, that's one of the problems in the industry. 
Yeah, you're definitely right because I see it in my everyday. If I go to a new customer, they're skeptical about what I say and there's like, ah, give us a quote, blah, blah, blah. But the customers I already have and I've had for years, they're like, yeah, just get it done. Or yeah, I'll need a quote, but in the meantime, order the parts and get it done and just send me the quote when you can. They just want the work done because they they know that if obviously if they've been working with you for 10 years, there's a reason that you have a a long-term relationship, right? Exactly. And that's the nature of business. It is based on trust first. And it's very difficult to do when it's a, an intermittent relationship and or a once in a lifetime relationship. It's very difficult to do. You know, my in our manufacturing business, we work very, very hard to get a new OEM or an OEM to come on as a new customer. It takes us years to get an OEM to switch over from, you know, brand H to to our, our electronics company. But once we get a customer in and they, we work with them, when we develop that, that trust relationship, it's amazing what can be done. You know, we can, they'll just call us up and say, Bob, we have a, a brand new blower motor design. This happened just two years ago. Furnace manufacturers, we have a brand new blower motor design and, uh, we need a brand new circuit board to do it. And we go, we can just say, yeah, don't worry about it. We got it. And they go, okay, we're leaving it with you. And that's the end of it. Why? Because we have a, you know, we have a 15 year relationship with that OEM. So. Mm-hmm same kind of thing you got to have that long-term relationship with the customer yeah and i i can't believe it it the conversation went this way it just is an almost like a natural segue into what you're doing with avx and how your product actually can create that bond or relationship with the customer through the mm-hmm. course of time but before we get into that i would like to you to just give some of your your industry background like you talked about the contact bounce and Obviously, you gained that information from somewhere and you're, you're into electronics and, and development of products and stuff like that. So how did you get to this point? Okay, well, I read this ad in the back of a comic magazine to send away for a diploma. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, do we even have comic magazines anymore? I'm that old. So in the 19, uh, 1980s, I was working for a German electronics firm, sales, engineering, marketing, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I got fed up with the products being kind of old and stodgy, had my own vision for products. Uh, They weren't budging. So I decided to, you know, throw caution to the wind, mortgage, four kids and a stay-at-home wife. Uh, What the heck? I'll start my own business. And I I did. I started in 94 at designing and manufacturing and it was tough years, but immediately started developing controls uh, for um, local manufacturers in Southern Ontario, Canada, furnace manufacturers, um, HRV, HRVs were some of our heat recovery ventilators, and we built controls. um, And that's what we've been doing, building controls. But when the internet became a thing, I would say 98 to 99 era, I started to imagine how we could connect these controls that were inside furnaces and boilers and air conditioning units. How could we somehow connect them to the internet? So I've had this dream in my head since the late 90s. And it's always, I've got lab notes going back I've got lab, 20 years of lab notes and many, many drawings of this kind of stuff. But basically, um, AVX uh, was the result of all that. And uh, in 2017, all the stars aligned. And I decided now's the time to uh, pull the trigger and get going. So we created a new company called AVX. Mm-hmm. Now, I have one in my house. Uh, I've wired it up, been on the app. And so the, the, this is one of the the, the upfront advantages and I didn't even know this until <laughs> until you like said, "Hey, I was looking through your um, the alarms today, and this is recently after I installed this, and you told me that my supply temperature was getting up to 150 degrees when the heat was on." 
And then I started to look into a little bit more and I'm like, yeah, I believe if I look at my furnace, I think the it's either 60 or 65 degree uh, Delta T is the max. Okay. Yeah. And we're, we're hitting like 75 Delta T on my mm-hmm. furnace. Not uncommon. Yeah. And, and because I do repair and service HVAC equipment all day, the last thing I'm doing is coming home after dinner and coming down with my, my temp probes and checking across my, my furnace. Right. So I've, I've never done it before. And I've lived in this house for almost 10 years. I've never done that before. And now I'm starting to notice because of that, I'm starting to look at the ductwork. I'm in my basement now Mm -hmm. and I'm starting to notice things like my wife's always cold in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. I go feel the air coming up. There's barely any airflow coming up into my bedroom and and it's quite a large room, like not massive, but it's, it's a room. Let, Let me give you a comparison. So compared to my laundry room, my laundry room's on my second floor. It's uh, six by six. It's not very big, but my bedroom relative to that is is bigger, way bigger. And my laundry room, you can put your hand about three feet above the the floor register, and you can feel the heat up there. My bedroom, a foot and a half off the floor, you got to go down to feel it. Out of all three, and if I follow the ductwork, it looks like I've got one pipe, one four inch pipe going up to feed all three of those diffusers because I can only see one going up to the second floor. So it's incredible to me that just that alone has led me to start looking at a bunch of things. My system's messed up. Like I'm the first to admit it. It's messed up. Every every system's messed up. Every system. I have never seen a perfect flawless system in, you know, 30 years. I've never seen it. And the reason I believe this is that homes are designed by architects not HVAC technicians, right? And they're designed for architects, for builders who need to make a profit building a house. The last thing they're on on their mind is how well is the air going to flow? Because the house is already sold at that point. You know, when the, when by the time somebody notices how uncomfortable it is, the house is sold, they've got their profit, they're gone. So, you know, it's designed by an architect. So every house is messed up. So the key thing, how do we adapt? How do we adapt every house to make every house comfortable? You had a fellow on the other, other week, uh, Nate, I love that podcast. Um, I, I just love that podcast. What was his name, Nate? Um, Nate Adams. The, Nate the Adams. house, the house whisper. House whisper made me think of Robert Redford and the horse whisper. What was that, nineteen eighties or something? Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was an old movie. Anyways, uh, the but he had a fantastic points, and and I really enjoyed that podcast uh, about all that kind of stuff. You know, um, you know airflow and and all the variables that impact insulation windows so many things mm-hmm. it's, it's your crazy. house isn't your house isn't bad like worse than anyone any other house oh i'm yeah i'm, I'm sure i'm sure i'm sure it's it's not it's just it's very frustrating as uh, somebody that's in the trade and and it's like i've never really paid attention to my own system and and waking up to it to see that there's chronic issues that could have been avoided by I don't know. I, I mean, it's a it's a cookie cutter neighborhood. I'm sure they could have done a load calculation on my house and multiplied it by all of the homes because they're all built the same way, yeah. right? Amortize it over several homes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure it wouldn't have costed them uh, very much to get a load calc done. Well, listen, and Gary. Obviously, the ducks weren't designed at all properly. Yeah. yeah. Gary, just between us, girls. As long as we're making confessions, okay. I'm in the electronics business. I have the worst placed thermostat on planet earth okay in my home uh, the thermostat was put in by the builder at the front door 
on an exterior wall right beside the front door. We get ridiculous temperature swings. And in the five years, six, no, seven years that we've been in this house, I've never moved that thermostat because my wife doesn't like any of the places that I pick for. (laughs) Okay. And I say, but we're getting like horrible temperature swings. I can show it to you on AVX. I have all the data. She goes, I don't care. They're ugly. I don't want to see it on my dining room wall. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I live with crazy temperature swings. And you can see it if, you know, if, we, if, if, we, if this was a video podcast or whatever they call that, we could uh, we could show people how horrible the temperature swings are on my house. You guys have heard me rapping about JB warranties and what they offer as far as turnaround time on claims and offering back labor, labor reimbursement. All these things are important if you're dealing with a warranty. So if you want to take your warranty outside of the OEM for your customers, check out JB warranties. CompanyCam is an organizational tool for companies to keep all of your images, your videos, job site notes, anything that pertains to a particular job in one place at one time. So anybody that's part of the job can access it through the cloud or the customer if you allow them to, I guess, or if you want to show the customer later on or while it's happening, all of the things that are going on at their site. Okay, it's all kept in one place, so there's no text messaging back and forth. It's just take a picture, GPS, stamp, time, location, all that kind of stuff. That's on company cam, guys. Check it out. RLS, rapid locking system, is changing the way we fit pipe, we connect pipe, and create leak-free systems. It's an alternative to brazing in places where you can't braze. Some people are leaning towards more of the press fitting. Some people are still leaning towards brazing because they're comfortable with it. That's fine, right? But... Let's, before you, you badmouth it, let's take a, a in-depth dive and look at it. Look at it with a, with a very open mind because it is providing some good, efficient installs. And I've talked to many techs in the industry and, and the feedback I get is that on jobs where you're doing a hundred plus fittings, a couple hundred fittings, RLS is way more efficient than pulling out a torch. This is other techs telling me this. This is not coming from me. Anyway, check out Rapid Locking System. The Blue On app, guys, has been growing over time. It's got access to a ton of unit manuals, which I've used from time to time if I can't find a wiring diagram or if I need specific information about a, a specific unit I'm working on. And they got their form and all that. So check out the Blue On app, guys, for their their free tech support that you call using the app through it. So Check that out. Well, somebody can correct me, but I know Ecobee has remote sensors that you can tie into the thermostat that are wireless. So I don't know if if those remote sensors can actually take over the sensor in the thermostat or not. I would have to look into that. And somebody out there that installs Ecobees every day is probably saying yes or no. Or There's definitely solutions, but uh, you've also got to deal with um, your partner in life, right? Yes. Yeah. Things differently. Yeah, I got I got you. So, I mean, I back to this, I installed my AVX. Yeah. Okay, I put um I put the the supply air and the return air sensor in, suction line and liquid line sensors in as well. Mm-hmm. So, now we can monitor return air, supply air, get the delta T across the furnace, which can tell you when problems are arising, right? We've talked about how we can look at trends and tell if the blower is not running by the, the, the way it's the, the, the Delta T is trending. Sure. 
Yeah, you want to explain that a little bit? How how we can without having like an amp probe around the fan to say yes, the fan is on. How can we look at a trend log to comprehend that a fan is not running with the delta? Well, I'll try to I'll try to paint a picture here with words uh, because we don't have uh, images. But essentially, what we do is something that we're uh, what we call relative diagnostic analysis. And that's a big phrase, but we're trying to di- differentiate it from when people are, the techs are on the spot with the instruments, etc. What we're talking about is looking at all the data simultaneously in a very easy to read graph, but that co- covers the course of time. Okay, so we might look at an entire heat cycle or a bunch of heat cycles over a day. But let's say we zero in on one. How can we tell if the blower's running? How can we detect a a failed capacitor merely by looking at temperature? Well, what we do is when we look at temperature changes, like say the burner has come on, the blower has come on normally, we see a slope. That is the, the, the temperature rise has a slope. And then it levels out after a period of time, which we typically call steady state. And that is a pattern that gets built into every in a unique furnace. But should that we detect heat, but we don't see the slope the way we expect to, and the heat only reaches a certain point, we've detected failed capacitors just by looking at heat sensors. People might find some make that sounds like black magic, but when you look at it on a screen, it's as plain as day. A failed capacitor has a very distinct look versus a failed blower motor altogether. Okay, so you know when to go in with a capacitor, you know when to go in with a replacement motor, and you know when there it's you know a no heat call can be motor, it can be uh, capacitors, it can be valves, etc. And all these things are visible uh, using, like I say, data over the course of time and relative to other data. So looking at not just looking at the supply temperature, but looking at the supply temperature relative to the return temperature, which of course is delta T. Another thing, you know, in the in the, um, in the summertime at air conditioning, if we merely look at the liquid line, per, you know, for set, for example, we look at liquid line and it says, okay, the liquid line temperature as it's entering the furnace is um, 92 degrees F. Well, what does that mean? Does it mean anything if we just said that liquid line temperature is 92? But if we look at it and say, okay, the outside air is 80 degrees F. Well, we have a 12 degree you know, uh, approach on the liquid line. We go, eh, that's, that's a good temperature for the liquid line to be about 12 degrees above outside air. If the outside air was 102 and our liquid was 92, that means all of a sudden somehow we're, we're 10 degrees cooler, which you know, would imply blockage. There's uh, in a uh, blockage or um, something, you know, some obstruction in the liquid line. If the outside air was 70 degrees and our liquid line was 92, it implies that there's something uh, obstructing the, the fins or the fan has, uh, has failed on the outdoor unit, that type of thing. So that's the type of stuff that we can pick up just by looking at temperatures relative to one another and relative to time. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So do we, do we have to master these slopes or is there alarms built in that allow you to? Hey, yeah, no, there's no mastering of slopes. All that is really done <laughs> inside. No, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let the low-cost microprocessors do the work. They do all the work, and then they just basically, they do the slope analysis, and then they'll look at the limits that have been set by the installer that are very simple, normal um, 
parameters that, a, that an installer would know, like what kind of Delta T do I want? What kind of, um, maximum air temperature do I want? Uh, those type of things. And the, the, the node does all that analysis, looks at the, the settings set by the installer and then goes, is this a good situation or is it a bad situation? If it's a bad situation, fires off emails and texts and, and makes a record in the service log and lights up a light on the, on the map, <laughs> all that kind of stuff to let them know that something's gone wrong. That's very cool. And, and I can't imagine the, the work that it would take to, to code that on the back end, like the, the don't that, that get would take an, an awful <laughs> amount of math to, to, to get that done on the, on the coding side. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. We have, um, we have a really, really good team of, uh, software developers. Um, I am one of the software developers and, um, and, but I have a team of much younger guys too, who, uh, are, I know a lot about the equipment. The younger guys know a lot more about uh, the coding than I do. But the bottom line is um, you, you do a lot of theoretical stuff, a lot of math, and then you try it out. And then you get on the actual equipment and you try it out for, in our case, three years of, of trial and error. We, we tested our units from uh, the cold climates in Canada. We did our testing in uh, the hot, muggy summers of Florida. Um, made sure we understood everything um, before we... Uh, and, and yeah, and you make mistakes and you adjust. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that must be a long, the, the process to do that must be exciting, but also frustrating because I, I'm sure every time you thought you had it, something goes wrong and you're like, oh, God damn, we got to go back to the drawing board and, and restart and it puts, oh, yeah. you behind, puts you behind another three months or something, right? I can't, I can't count the number of times that we thought we had it. And then it's like, you know, and, and you do, you're, then you think, okay, we nailed this. Now we do our, 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 we do testing and you're testing and testing and, and months go by and everything's fine. And we're thinking, Hey, are we ready to launch? And then something goes wrong. And it's like, stop everything. Let's figure out. And then you have to, in some cases, it's a complete redesign mm-hmm. because you just you know, overlook something. It's, it's a very tedious, exhausting, exciting times, expensive. It's uh, it's everything, but I, I'm glad we finally made it four and a half years and a lot of money. <laughs> oh yeah, I could imagine. Um, what I'd like to do here is just describe for, cause there's probably texts out there going, saying node, like curves, like what is this? What is this thing, right? So, and I said, I put it, I said I installed mine. So we're talking about a black box that is probably what, four and a half by four and a half, three inches? Yeah, yeah okay. three inches by this, yeah. Okay, so basically it's a plastic box and I, I screwed it to my ductwork just to get it up and away from the kids. Yeah. So the kids aren't playing with the furnace. But I've seen um, some videos or images and, on stuff on your website where it's actually attached to the furnace. But I guess best place scenario or best case scenario where you want to put it for your own your own home. But we need to make sure that it's not in a metal cabinet because we need to have connection with the with the web, right? Okay, so yeah. it's, it's three by three plastic box and some wiring going to some sensors very easy to install mm-hmm. simple and then we have on the back end we don't have so you described this to me a couple of times so we have different kinds of apps like native a native app which is not a native app right it's not like you download an That's app from correct. the place a, the play store and use that this is done over the web sort of differently right yeah, we call it's the technology is called Progressive Web App or PWA, and what it is, it's it's built on Chrome, and this is the way all the the 
you know, the Facebooks and that are going. So it's, it's an app built on Chrome as a backbone. And so you don't have to go through the uh, iPhone, what they call iTunes, and you don't have to go through the Play Store for it. Okay, but you can still do it on your phone and your tablet because that's... Oh, that's- yeah, phones, tablets, PCs, it automatically configures itself for all those devices. Okay, cool. That's the beauty of PWA. Yeah, so, so basically it's a super simple install. Then we get on with, with the with, with the app and we can see a, a bunch of stuff. Now, mm-hmm. one of the coolest things about this, and I think this is a, an awesome feature that a lot of techs, a lot of business owners especially would, would enjoy is the fact that we can be remote and we can run the heating, the cooling, mm. the fan remotely to make sure it's running. So let's say we have a customer that calls and says, hey, my heat's not on and you test it from your phone and the heat starts up call them hey is your thermostat set to heat <laughs> right well yeah yeah that's, right? And, so, I, I mean there, yeah. there's situations like that but being able to remotely test is a is a huge function you want to talk about that for a minute well yeah the um well we talked earlier about building relationships with customers in that whole trust you know the circle of trust mm-hmm. and business is really built on trust and so one of the ideas is you know you get avx in someone's home and now you have an ongoing relationship with them. Now, first of all, in, in 99.9% of cases, you're going to know there's a problem before the homeowner does. But let's just say in an odd situation, uh, the homeowner calls and says, hey, I'm really getting cold. What the heck's going on here? And it's the middle of winter time. Um, you can immediately, you could be at the drive through at Dunkin' Donuts or if you're in Canada, Tim Hortons. Uh, you got your coffee in one hand and a donut in the other, and you pull aside and you pull up your phone, you pull up the, the first person's account, and immediately you're connected to their furnace and you're connected to our database, which has 90 days of instantly accessible data. So you can take a look and say, well, let's see. Well, has their thermostat been calling for heat? You can see, you know, last six hours, there's been no call for heat. You can go back over the last two days, there's no call for heat. And you go, well, you know, Mr. Homeowner, is your furnace, is your thermostat on? Uh, but you know what? Maybe even before you call him, you can press a button on our diagnostics tool that allows you to actually remotely activate, you know, in the case of heating, you could remotely activate W or remotely activate Y. And it triggers the system through the magic of the internet. And it's just like you had turned up the thermostat or, you know, uh, set it to activate the equipment as if you were there. And then you can watch. As the temperatures start to rise and our, our slope analysis tools look at burner detection and look at blower detection and they start to tell you that everything's working fine, Mr. Homeowner. Mr. Homeowner, I'd like you to go and take a look at your thermostat. What is it? What's the screen? Is it flashing the battery symbol or is it blank? Or do you have that, the, you know, the on-off switch set? And you can avoid actually going to the house and wasting, you know, your precious resources on a nuisance call. Uh, if they were on a uh, a service pro- uh, an agreement, you know, you go for something like that. That's wasted revenue. That's wasted uh, profit. Yeah, but what what I wanted to say is that even though you tested it on your phone and you called them and you got it figured out, you can still charge the customer for that. Like yeah, they, you could be, because what happens? So, like when you set them up on a plan, like a maintenance plan. Let's say you set them up on a maintenance plan. You go there twice a year. And you want yeah. to include you want to include an AVX node and a subscription to that. So you build you build the subscription, which you and I have discussed is five dollars a year. Yeah, five dollars right? a month. 
or sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm giving everybody a huge deal. Right you now, today, yeah. <laughs> five dollars, five dollars a month, um, sixty dollars a year, which is which is really nothing. You build that into the contract if the homeowner is is into this type of technology. Now, you say to them, "Listen, if I got to roll out a truck, my price is this. But if we can mm-hmm. figure out through electronically through through the AVX node, yeah, I'll reduce the, the the cost of the of the service call because I don't have to roll a truck because you're you're le- you're still legit." taking your time from your day to do this and you're figuring out a problem and creating value. So you could have a reduced cost, but it's almost like a consultation cost or because the reason I say that is because we have a lot of, or we used to have a lot of sites that were controlled remotely. And anytime the controls guy got on for a service call, we would open up a job and he would charge us time to look at it and fix it. Mm. So you could essentially charge for that call. I don't know if you, you agree with that. Well, I do see your point, but in in residential universe, what's most likely to happen is you know uh, 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 a service, and this is all the dealers that we have signed on. This is how they're handling it. We don't uh, tell our dealers, our service pros, how to run their business, but most of them tell us what they're doing is they're integrating it into a service program, and uh, and they would do that kind of diagnostics for free just to save the call because if it's a um, a residential, and many times you get uh, you know maybe elderly folks who've got time on their hands to complain. And, you know, they paid their $249 for the annual service contract. Then they call you up every two weeks to complain about something. And every two weeks you're sending your, your guy out in a truck. And so, and that eats away the profit that possibly could be in a service contract. The benefit of, of remote monitoring is that you can see if there truly is a problem to avoid that call. And you can figure out what's, what's likely gone wrong if you do have to send person and you can know what the equipment is, what the most likely parts are, et cetera, and cut your cost dramatically. So some people, uh, some of the service pros that are using it, they would, they would respond with, it's a no charge call. But like I say, in 99% of the times the service pro is going to know before the homeowner knows if there truly is something wrong. Mm-hmm. But it, we really do leave it up to the service pros to create their own business models. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about value exchange. If, if you provide value, you should get it back. And, and the way contractors get it back is in the form of uh, monetary value, right? Yep. You don't, absolutely. You don't get it in cookies and milk. And, and <laughs> no. <laughs> too, too but if the customer pays in advance for the year, yeah. you know, if they yeah. pay for that kind of stuff, then well, whatever it's, um, it really is the, 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 the service pros choice of how he wants to build his business, his uh, value proposition. Yeah. Okay. So, so now that we've talked about remote testing, there's obviously other features that are very, I think are, are very cool to, to this platform. And, and it's the, there's the analytics, there's, um, uh, we have fuel gauges for people that are on oil. We, like we have an actual, an, an actual gauge and a virtual or yeah. And or, yeah, propane virtual gauge and an actual or an actual gauge, depending on, can you explain that? Cause I, I forget how that works. Cause some people get the virtual, some get the, the actual, right? Yeah. Okay. So anyone who's on delivered fuels, which of course is uh, heating oil, which is very, very popular in the Northeast US and, uh, you know, uh, all the down the Eastern seaboard and propane is sporadically through North America. So people who are on delivered fuels, uh, typically it's very expensive to remotely monitor if that's all you want to do. 
In the case of oil, we have an ultrasonic sensor. We didn't invent the ultrasonic sensor. There's many people, uh, there's many ultrasonic sensors out there, uh, but we roll it into AVX. And uh, what it does is it measures the actual level in the oil tank. And it displays on uh, the Service Pro's uh, app and it also displays on the homeowner's version of the app so they can see it in real time. It's actually so accurate that when the guy comes to deliver and he's pouring oil in, you can see the needle moving, which is the only gauge that does that. So it's ultrasonic, you know, simple things. It's bouncing sound waves off the surface of the, of the liquid. Now, with propane, that's not possible to use ultrasonic. Then propane remote measurement or our actual sensors is a very complex and dangerous thing. And so we have elected not to make an actual sensor that goes on propane. So for both oil and propane, if you elect not to have a sensor on the tank, we have something called CyberGauge. Now, CyberGauge is a complex mathematical algorithm that uh, took my team a while to pull together. Uh, But essentially, we know what the tank is because the installer tells us what the tank is. In the case of oil, the most common one is a 275-gallon tank and uh, which is a thousand liters in Canada and uh, when there's a fill up the driver basically presses a button on the app we know that tank's full and because we know if in the case of oil we know what the pressure setting is we know what the valve or what the nozzle rating is a 0.75 at 150 psi our system calculates every single drop that goes through that nozzle and we subtract drop by drop by drop from the original tank amount, the 1,000 liters or the 275 gallons. And we can create this cyber gauge, which we've shown, uh, we've proven to be very, very accurate. And it allows uh, service providers who deliver fuels to actually know what's in the tank much better than the um, than the old-fashioned methods of degree days, et cetera. That's very cool. It just it blows my mind that you calculate each drop <laughs> to, to correlate to the the gauge. It's 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 incredible that we have the technology to do that. It was interesting when we when we start. We didn't set out to do that. It was it was a byproduct of of all the research and development. And as we were digging in, we start to you know you get a group of engineers and geeks together, and we start to going, wow, we didn't know that we knew this, and now we know this. How do we actually give this to people? So a lot of AVX came as a result of that, of discoveries during the R&D process. I almost wish that now that I, I grew up as a geek, to be honest with you, I wish I grew up as a geek. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> they're, they're smart. I mean, they're, they're changing the world and they're making tons of money. I, I should have been smarter when in the 70s, uh, I, I was a geek in school, but I was kind of one of those weird geeks because I was a weird geek that was also athletic and artistic. And I was kind of like all over the map. And uh, instead of going directly to university, like I should have done, you know, back in the days when we had grade 13 in Ontario and uh, I didn't go to university, I actually joined the army and decided I needed to travel the world, learn how to kill lots of num- lots of people efficiently. And that's you know, instead of going to university. So I, I had a lot of catching up to do through my my twenties to get back into Geekland. Yeah, cool. Coupled with the gauges, mm-hmm. you, we we have this analytics that show us fuel use, which which I thought was pretty cool. And that's all done through calculations as well on on sort of what fuel, how much fuel we're we're using on a is it a, is a daily basis, weekly, monthly, uh, hourly. Hourly basis. Hourly. There you go. Uh, we look at 
Yeah, so we look at fuel use per hour, we calculate that, store it in our database, and then we store that and we present it to the user, both the homeowner and the service pro. We look at hourly fuel use every single day relative to outside air temperature and relative to inside air temperature. And then we extrapolate heat loss of the building as well. So we can actually see. And what we see now, after all these units have been installed uh, since we launched AVX, is virtually every piece of heating equipment is way oversized. I have not seen an HVAC unit yet that is sized properly for the house. I'll give you an example. My own house uh, here, it was built with a 60,000 BTU uh, single-stage furnace. I've never bothered upgrading it. And uh, we hit, um, a couple of weeks ago or so uh, here, we're in the Toronto area, uh, we hit 18 degrees F. Uh, So what's that? That's about uh, 10 below Celsius, uh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And uh, yeah, it's fairly cold. Not not a design date, but it was cold enough, 18F. And uh, my worst case was 7,000 BTUs per hour. And I have a 60,000 BTU uh, furnace. So, you know, the obvious thing is when it comes time to replace my furnace, what do we put in here? Because how small of a furnace can you put in reasonably? You know, how far can you, you, uh, you know, variable output you can dial it back the most likely solution for this particular house is as a heat pump yeah you know a a modulating heat pump yeah exactly and and that's and but now that you have hard data to look at and because who really has the time for heat load analysis when homeowners call you in to quote on a new furnace you know they're calling a half a dozen other guys you know, so are you going to, you know, the, your chances of getting the business is going to be a lot based on your smiling face and your shiny teeth and, uh, you know, and your price and the equipment you're offering. And, and the customer has a very short period of time to make a decision. So a lot of nobody wants to do a heat loss analysis. But with AVX, you've got this data. You can actually look and pull up the hard data and say, Mr. Homeowner, Mrs. Homeowner, we can see that in the coldest day of the year, you never exceeded you know, 12,000 BTUs. There's no sense in putting this 80,000 BTU furnace back in. It's a waste of energy. It's, it's it's inefficient. You could save a lot of money, a lot of energy putting in this variable output heat pump or, you know, something that more suitable. And now you're speaking and you're selling with knowledge and facts and data as opposed to selling with, you know, your, your charming smile and your wit and your good looks. <laughs> Hey, which which works for a lot of people, depending on uh, who they Not are. Right? <laughs> <laughs> There's, um, I, I've seen jokes online where it'll be like a, a handsome looking dude, all suave, and he'll make a remark to a woman, and she'll smile, and and they'll be like, "This is this is called flirting." But then then they'll they'll go to a guy that's all he, he's not so good looking, maybe overweight, and he's not put so put together so much. And he'll say the same thing. <laughs> she'll be like, that's sexual harassment. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so it's funny how looks do play a, looks do play a part in, in, in selling. I, I think they, I, I think they do. Absolutely. They do. Yeah. But you know what, when it comes down to it, uh, why do, why do looks matter? Uh, because people need something to sink their teeth into. And the eyes are a very powerful sense for humans. They're the most powerful sense we have. And they overrule many other things. Even if a person is um, maybe not that smart, but the, you know, if a guy is tall and good looking, uh, lots of research has shown this, he has an advantage. Or if a woman is, is beautiful and slim, 
she has an advantage. But are they telling the truth? Are they knowledgeable? Are they experienced? That tends to take a back seat. But if you can show up with hard data, you know, that actually you can prove your point in a simple fashion that a normal homeowner or a building owner can get their mind around of mind around all of a sudden, good looks, overweight, buck teeth, whatever the case might be, <laughs> that takes a back seat to real data. Yeah. You know, no, you know it it does. homeowner, this is the facts, you know? Yep. No, I, I totally agree with you. So Just I, make sure I, you brush your teeth that day. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Breath mints, cologne. Uh, maybe exactly. not, not, not to maybe deodorant. Cologne can be a little bit over, over overwhelming. Exactly. So right now, we are just focused on residential, correct? For the time being, yes. Okay. So what does that mean exactly? Well, um, to be honest, we, uh, we have a, a commercial unit that uh, we hope to release if all goes well, and no unforeseen uh, gotchas, uh, we hope to release a commercial unit uh, in the spring, uh, late winter, spring. We expect to do our uh, field trials. Uh, we're trying to get some winter in on our field trials, uh, but it'll be a rooftop unit that is um, designed to not only connect to the uh, where the homeowner's unit, the residential unit connects via Wi-Fi, the commercial unit will connect via cellular. And uh, so that gives us a lot more uh, flexibility and power. It'll also handle uh, uh, several more sensors and uh, do a lot more tricks. And uh, we already have some major commercial service companies in the U.S. um, who have already signed up and are building an entire business model around this. They've been testing the residential unit. And based on uh, their results from the residential unit, they have that much confidence that the commercial unit is going to make a major change for the business in uh, 2020. That's, that's very cool. Like I, I can, I can see it being such a benefit to an add on, on a maintenance contract, just to, to the fact that you can tell the customer, Hey, listen, we can check this thing remotely if there's a problem mm-hmm. and, and give them a bit anytime of peace. Of day or night. Yeah. yeah. Anytime day or Well, may, maybe not three in the morning. <laughs> well, you know, if it's a big if if it's a big enough if you're a commercial HVAC company and you have a big enough customer, let's say you have um, all the I don't know all the Wendy's restaurants across the U.S. are your account. Well, you got accounts on the West Coast that are open till one in the morning, and you got accounts on the East Coast that are opening up at whatever for breakfast or whatever. Yeah, you might have to have you know if you've got whatever fifteen thousand locations, you might have to have a team that's going at least monitoring through the night um, that type of thing. But that's you know what. That's someone else probably that actually has the fifteen thousand accounts, but uh, yeah, it'll make a huge difference. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Like we've talked, unless there's something else that, unless there's anything else important that the product can offer. Uh, now, I, I guess actually, no. You know what else is important that we haven't talked about? This is an, one of the most important things. This is an invite only platform. It's not yeah. like it's not like Joe Schmo. Oh, we, I heard about AVX. I'm going to go out and, and buy one. This is an invite only platform. Do you want to talk about how the invite structure works? Yeah, it was very, very important to us that we were not making a consumer product. Uh, you know, for, for decades, I've dealt only with OEMs. And then ultimately, the OEM customers are the service companies. But dealing with homeowners has zero interest to me in our company. That's your job, the, the service pros. So how we structured it is that we basically um, invite service companies to join AVX. And that invitation is free. Joining AVX is free. And we send out an invitation via email to 
the primary decision maker, usually an executive at the company. If it's a one-man band, he can decide for himself. If it's a large corporation, should be an executive. We send out that invitation, and they accept that invitation, and they join on behalf of their company. That now enables them to invite their employees, or let's say they're, if they're a larger corporation, you know, larger service company, they would invite their key managers, service managers, accounting manager, whatever. And they would invite them. And those people in turn invite their whole team. And so that's how that system works. And what that does is it serves to make sure that AVX is exclusive only to professional HVAC companies. We do not want homeowners home handyman, you know, electrician that does a little bit of HVAC on the side. We're not, we're not interested. We want professionals who understand what they're doing. Yeah. That's super important. That's super important. And I, like, for instance, a homeowner can go to Home Depot and buy a smart thermostat and they can bring it home and, and probably blow it up. <laughs> I don't know how many <laughs> of my friends and family have called me. Well, I've got this thermostat that I bought at Home Depot. How do I put it in? I mean, even though it's not that difficult, even though you just pull the back off and go, there's five wires. Let me see. Yeah. Let me put these five wires back on the, the terminal. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all coded. But some of them do get a little bit a little bit complicated. Like yeah, I, yeah. I put on a, an Ecobee for a, my brother and sister-in-law. And he had no common up at the thermostat. And I had to put this like this like common maker thing that came with the stat in. And I didn't know, like, silly me, I, I got I jumped ahead and I put the thing in. I didn't read the instructions. When we went to turn it on, it didn't work. And I'm like, hmm. Um <laughs> we're standing there, the, the Jeopardy songs playing in the background. We're waiting for the thing to fire up. But then I went to the back to the manual, which I should have done in the first place, and I found that the common maker had to be put in. And we did and, and it worked fine. But I mean, it, it's it's a good thing that homeowners can't touch it. Most homeowners probably wouldn't, but it's it's like you said, the handyman, or yes. or uh, my brother used to be a duck cleaner type guy that <laughs> thinks he, you know what I mean. He thinks he knows stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, they all, yeah, yeah. I have a friend of mine, very very good old friend of mine, and he's uh, he's retired now, but he was an executive at a very very large uh, retail corporation. Our, our American friends wouldn't know, but a very big chain in Canada is called Canadian Tire. And uh, they're kind of a mix of, of AutoZone meets uh, Home Depot meets um, whatever, the, the grocery store. They're everything. Anyways, uh, he was an executive there, and he came home with a, with the early Nest thermostat, and he was just going to hook it up. And then he called me, he said, Bob, I, I can't figure this thing out. And I said, oh, what did you do? Anyways, I get over there and I'm uh, immediately, I see there's no common, but I'm an electronics guy. I know if this has got Wi-Fi, it needs power, a lot of power. Wi-Fi is a power hog and there's no way you can do that without a common. And uh, so I find myself, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, pulling wires through his walls. I'm thinking, what am I doing this for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, just helping a friend out. But uh, yeah, it, um, it's ugly. I don't want that happening with AVX. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we do we do get homeowners who inquire about AVX through our website. And what we do is we direct them to service pros. And, uh, and I'm not saying that AVX is a, a lead generating business. That's not what we're claiming. But the homeowners that do uh, find us and are intrigued, we basically direct them to a service pro to install. Gotcha. Yeah, that's 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 the the good thing to do for this industry. As we talked, contractors that go into homes and do work for fair prices is, is good for the economy, right? Because mm -hmm. if they're getting paid um, and they're bringing money home to 
to to the family, then they're going out and spending some of that money, which just helps the economy even more. So yeah. So I, I mean that kind of wraps it up, I think. Unless you want to throw in, if if we miss something, Bob, uh, go ahead and and throw that in. Well, the only thing that um, that I guess that's always on my mind is that I get frustrated because you know homeowners, and I think we all in the industry get this frustration. Homeowners will fuss and spend a fortune on their kitchen appliances, you know, stainless steel fridges and stainless steel stoves and a dishwasher that looks really fancy. But when it comes to their HVAC equipment, all of a sudden they want to be really stingy and or even washers and dryers that cost a fortune. But the reality is a person's home for ordinary people. We're not talking about the Elon Musk's and Bill Gates of the world, but for ordinary people, your home is your single biggest investment. And these are our customers, right? And it's their single biggest investment. And they need to understand that just like we're a home, if a home were a human body, the HVAC system would be the heart. And if the heart stops, the human stops. And it's the same thing with an HVAC system. And so, for instance, you know, we know in the the great white north here, you know, when it's like, you know, 10 below or whatever it is, and the uh, the heat goes out. And you're, you know, you're down in uh, Dominican Republic sip, sipping on a margarita as a, as a homeowner and you think everything is fine. And that HVAC system goes out and nobody knows. And then all of a sudden they come home, they come home to frozen pipes, the number one insurance claim in North America, frozen pipes and flooding destroys too many homes. How much better to know this and actually have a service company that deals with it. But, and, and in Florida, when the HVAC system goes out in the summertime, two weeks, and you've got black mold, and it's almost the same as having broken pipes. So why is that important? It's important because it's the single biggest investment a a person has. Protect it like you protect your own heart. And who does this strike the most? Well, it strikes people who are either retired and go, you know, travel a lot. It strikes people who have vacation homes. Those homes are unoccupied. And these are huge amounts of money that are sitting there. So the risk of it happening, we don't say, will it happen? It's not, will it happen? It's when will it happen? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So this risk needs to be mitigated and the smart consumer will do something about it. And that's what we're trying to uh, meet that goal, meet that objective, mitigation of risk for homeowners, big investments. The future is now, guys, remote diagnostic testing analytics, all of that stuff wrapped into one and also information, serial numbers, model numbers, firing rates, age of machinery, tonnage, all that is organized into this as well. So if you guys are interested in this, reach out to me for an invite and we'll get you rolling. If you want to try it out in your home too, we'll, we'll get you rolling on that as well. But that's it, guys. Thank you to the Master Group. Once again, I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know-It-All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.